Well, if you have your Bible, we'll be in two places today, in Matthew chapter 16 and in 1 Peter chapter 2. As we uh, prepare this week for Christmas Eve and today in taking the Lord's Supper. Uh, there's a lot of people who have a lot of Christmas traditions. Uh, maybe it's just because of the age of our kids over the past, uh, you know, 20 years of life as a parent. Um, but we love to go watch movies. I don't know if you're a movie watcher. We don't consider ourselves movie connoisseurs or experts or anything like that. But when an epic movie that everybody else wants to watch comes out, we want to watch it too. I'm not sure if that makes us fair weather movie fans, but that's what we do at Christmas. And it seems like Christmas is the time when those movies are released. And uh, this week, uh, knowing where we were going in the service and uh, knowing with our family, we went to see the new Spider-Man. Man movie that was out. Uh, I'm not going to tell you any spoilers. If you like to watch the, those movies, then you can do that. If you don't care at all, then I wouldn't spoil anything for you anyway. But we loved it. We loved going out. And it, it made me think in preparation about some of the epic movies that came out. In Spider-Man, I think there are like eight Spider-Man movies. It started to make me think. So I asked our team, what are some epic movies that, that come to mind? When I talk about an epic movie, and uh, very quickly, Omar said, Lord of the Rings was an epic movie series that, that he, he thought of. Um, someone else said, Star Wars. And I said, which series? One, two, three, four, five, six, or seven, eight, nine? And um, any true Star Wars fans just says four, five, and six, and everything else is just icing on the cake. And so uh, Star Wars uh, came out as one. One of our staff members said, Rocky. Rocky Balboa, that was an epic one. And so maybe some are going through your mind that you can think of as epic. And then I asked the question, what's the general story? What's the general thrust behind the movie that makes it epic? And it was, it was interesting. Very quickly, uh, Omar uh, said, you know, you, you had to leave behind your home and you were being a part of something bigger and not just, not just you, but every character in it. And, um, and he shared about that. And then I said, well, what about, what about Star Wars? And the person who said Star Wars said, well, actually with Star Wars, you kind of had to leave behind your story, leave behind. Luke had to leave his home and they had a greater purpose. They were part of a bigger picture in life. And then I said, what about Rocky? And by this time, one of the staff members says, no, I totally get every, they're all the same, just in different settings. Exactly. What makes an epic movie is this idea that there is someone behind the scenes who, who was maybe not important at all that has to leave behind everything that they were to become a part of this bigger role that, that was in front of them. And, and and I don't think epic movies are, are epic because someone figured out a magic formula. But instead, I, I really believe wholeheartedly that God has placed something inside of us that, that knows we were made for more. Listen to what Matthew chapter 16, verse 25 says. If you have a Bible, you can read along with me. Uh, Jesus says it this way. He says, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. Whoever would save his life would lose it. I mean, that's it. Every movie right there. If the, if the hero or the heroine of the movie were to come out and to say, you know what? I'm content where we, where we are. The world's just going to blow up one day, but outside of my lifetime, so I'm good. 
You know, if, if Luke Skywalker would have just said, I'm good being a dirt farmer, no worries. I like it where I am. I don't want to fly space, you know, spaceships out and, and save the universe. If, if he or she, in all their backstories, would have just said, I, I'm good with my life. I'm going to deny this feeling because I'm, I just like my little safe huddle moment here. Then nothing's epic. Could you imagine watching a Star Wars when Luke gets the, the, the message, Obi-Wan Kenobi, your only hope. And he says, huh, not Obi-Wan. What do you do? What's the movie about? There's no, there's no pull. Church, if you look, there's really no genetic, there's no, there's no code, there's nothing natural that makes us just have this desire that says we were made for something bigger. There's, there's nothing in there. This has to be a creator-invested moment into every being, into every person, into every culture that I am made for something more. I am a part of something bigger. And when we see movies that are epic, that's why our hearts get excited. We know, we know Marvel comics are fiction, right? They're fantastic, but we still get excited. We still love the characters. Why do we get so excited about that? Because it touches something inside of us that we know is true and that God put, us, put inside of us so that we would pursue him in a greater way. He who would save his life would lose it, but lose it for my sake will save it last few weeks, we've been talking about some of the epic stories in Scripture as we've been looking back. Think about Adam. What did Adam want to do? He was in the garden. He had everything. But he, he wanted his life first. So he just tried to make his life better and better and better. What happened to Adam and Eve? They lost it. Death entered the world through this couple who just wanted life to be about them. Think about Abraham. Remember, a Abram was at home in her with his family. And the Lord approached him. He said, listen, I need you to let go of your land. I need you to let go of your family. I need you to let go of your relationships. I need you to let go of your future because I have something better for you. And Abraham, who lost his life for the sake of the calling of God, found not just that life, but so much more. Every promise of, of God coming true. We, we looked, talked about Ruth and Boaz last week, Right? Ruth, who was at home and could have gotten remarried, could have restarted her life. What does she have to do? She has to leave her people. She has to give her life into loyalty to Naomi, leave it for that land, for Naomi's God, who gave up her life for Naomi's God and a faith that she'd just been exposed to. And what happens when she leaves behind her life? She finds salvation. She finds care. She finds the lineage of the Messiah. Church, if you were to turn the pages of Scripture, you would see it. Every time someone lets go of their life for the sake of God, God says, let me show you what you were made for. And every time someone says, I'm going to try to get the life that I need. I want to get the life that I want. I want to just save what I can. I just want to hanker down. I just want to have what I've got. Every single time it ends in destruction and despair. Church, as we walk into next year, there's something that's been on our hearts as a staff and my heart for, for months now. And that is that you and I need to remember day after day after day that God has made you a part of something bigger. 
that, that you and I are, are not just here to run through a, a hamster trap of, of being a part of this piece of life, but God has made you for something more. And so what I want to do today is just walk you through 1 Peter chapter 2 so that you and I can get a glimpse of what that bigger is. And then for starting January 1, for 365 days, we're going to lean into God's word. We're going to see what he has for us. And we're going to talk about how you and I play this massive, incredible role designed and given by God in his bigger story. So if you have your Bible, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and that's where we'll start today. The Bible says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Church, tucked inside this one verse God just expands this infinite universe of calling. The first thing he tells us is that you and I are made for a bigger relationship. Do you know that you're made for a bigger relationship? I'm not sure what the best relationship in your life was. Maybe your, your best relationship was with your father and the memories flood your mind every Christmas. Maybe it's, it's cooking with your mother. Maybe it's as a, as a spouse, a married individual. That's your greatest relationship. Well, God says, actually, you're a part of a bigger relationship than the best relationship you could ever imagine. Better than a husband and a wife, better than a mother and a daughter, better than a father and a son, you are a part of a relationship with the Almighty God. Listen to the words that God says about you and I in Christ. You are chosen, you are royal, you are holy, and you are his own possession. You are chosen, royal, holy, and his own possession. You know, around Christmas time, two things can flood into our mind we can have this flood of memory of what God has made us a part of or we can find ourselves caught up in this moment of realizing what we don't have. See, if, if the relationships that you and I put ourselves in at Christmas time start to define who we are, if, it, if the small relationships in life are the biggest relationships we have, then there will be a season, whether it be Christmas, whether it be summer, whether it be life, or whether it be death, when we find ourselves wanting. But God says, you are not made to just want for relationships. When your children have chosen the in-law's house for Christmas... I chose you. You see, God says, out of all the people in the world, I've chosen you. If you are mine in Christ Jesus, you belong with me and you and I will always have together. See, we're a part of that relationship and it's not just chosen, it's holy. Holy means set apart. We worship a creator God that is above all things. And in you and I, he says, I am set apart because I am the creator God. I am the almighty king. But with me, not only have I chose you, but I've set you apart for me. You're special. 
You aren't in need. You aren't inadequate. You're not not good enough. In Christ, I have chosen you and I've made you holy and therefore you are royalty with me and you are my possession. Do you feel like chosen royalty, pure every day, day in and day out? Do you wake up saying, whew, feel like a prince of the king of the universe today? like the older we get we just wake up and we think oh I feel like I should go back to bed you know we can burn our candles at every end and it doesn't matter how many Sundays we sit in church if you and I only have a, a, a hit or miss reminder of our place with God then we will forget what we were made aware of that vi- invited us into Christ's story is something that we can lose awareness of in a moment. We can be overwhelmed by all the strains of life and health goes down and hurt goes up. And all of a sudden, we don't feel like a child of the king. We're not focused on that relationship. In fact, God keeps taking a back seat for all the hurt that we're managing our way through, all the busyness, all of life's demands. Church, what you and I have in God's word is this reminder that we are a part of a bigger relationship that is pure and chosen and holy. So next year, what we're doing as a church is we're going to start the first 13 weeks off looking at ways that you and I can keep ourselves disciplined in that godly relationship. I don't know if you've ever started off a New Year's Eve promise or New Year's Day promise with a, I'm going to work out, I'm going to eat better. Eating better doesn't taste good. Everybody knows that when we make those promises. You have to realize what you're giving up. So, so we have something way better than that. So starting January 1, over the next couple of weeks, we'll be getting them out to you in church and in the Welcome Center. We've put together guidebooks. And these guidebooks are going to be ways that you and I, on Sundays we talk about them, but that we practice staying in front of this chosen relationship that we have in God day in and day out. Just simple markers to talk through with our friends, to practice meditation, scripture reading, prayer. Lord, how do I not lose the reality that I am chosen and holy and royal? in our relationship and so as we walk through those things the whole point is not the activity but it's that you and I never wake up a day without the reality that God has called us into a greater relationship than we could ever dream and you never close your eyes going to bed without knowing Father God thank you for choosing me for making me yours and for setting me apart. Church, do you realize that's the relationship you were made for? That's the way you and I were made to go to sleep every night. Not wondering what the next news story would be, not worrying how the stock market would be, not worrying about jobs, but instead thinking, God, I am in a relationship with the King of Kings. You were made for more. But but it's not just a bigger relationship. You were made to be a part of a bigger family. Look back at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says that you are a chosen race. 
You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, and you are a people of his own possession. Now, all of those words are plural. Did you get that? That, that none of those words are, are in the singular form. Every time, it just doesn't say you're a, you're a person for his own possession. It doesn't say that you are picked out from an ethnic group individually. It doesn't say that you are a priest. It doesn't say that you belong. All of those words are plural. Church, do you know that you were made for community? You were made to be a part of a bigger community than, than what you could think of or conceive of. The, the Lord doesn't just use the word family here. He uses so much more to show us that you and I belong in a bigger picture. God didn't design you for isolation and loneliness. Church, God didn't create you just to have a healthy bubble in this life. In fact, that's how you got welcomed into God's family, wasn't it? Someone who cared about you, who was a part of a bigger family, welcomed you in. They took the time and the care and the prayer to lean into you. Church, being a part of a bigger family of Christ, it's the same kind of work your family is. I don't know what your Christmases look like, but this is what ours look like. Christy says, let's decorate the house. In that moment, weeping and gnashing of teeth is heard all throughout our neighborhood. Right? So, so Connor and I will go and we, we get the boxes out of the attic and we stack them up nicely. And Christy said, who wants to decorate the Christmas tree? I don't know why decorating the Christmas tree and mopping the floor has like the same appeal in my house. Everybody loves a decorated Christmas tree, but nobody wants to decorate it. It's a crazy thing. But, but in that, being a part of a family, it's not always easy. Sometimes it takes work, it's difficult, but the payoff is incredible. The, 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 the part of, of life of being a part of this small family is incredible. Church, what God shares with us is that you and I in Jesus Christ are made to be a part of a bigger family. And sometimes it's work and sometimes it's wonderful. Sometimes there are tears and sometimes it is joy. Sometimes you are tired and sometimes you are energized, but you were created to be a part of something bigger than yourself, a family that knows only the boundaries of Christ's love and invitation, Amen. a nation, a race, a people. And so next year, as we walk through 2022, we're gonna be focusing on what does family look like as a church? How do we practice family we, we might even give each other tips on how to help have a nice family at home how do I practice being a loving husband a, a wife that loves and runs hard after Jesus but do you know every family is built on the same four principles and this is what we'll do as our church every family is built on fellowship spending time together Every family that's healthy is built on sincere prayer for one another. 
Every family that comes together is built on caring for one another through the deep times of life and celebrating the joyful times of life. And every family that honors the Lord is built on biblical conversations and engagement. And next year, we're gonna talk about how we're a part of that bigger family so that we don't ever forget, so that we don't ever wake up wanting or wishing that we would have taken more time. Church, I don't know where your family is. I don't know what your life is like today, but God has made your family more than an outing once a month. And God has made you a part of a bigger family that invited you in that knows only the boundaries of Christ. What, what 1 Peter chapter 2 also tells us is not just that we're part of a bigger relationship and a bigger family, that we're a part of a bigger plan. Go back to 2 Peter, 1 Peter, let's look at it again. Now here's what it says. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. Do you know that God has a specific purpose for your life in the middle of this picture? Now, I, I don't know what Christmas is like for you guys, but I've seen it morph now. Christy and I have been married 23 years. She can correct me later on. 24 next summer I think is right. And in 24 years, about four years in or so, we had this child introduced into our life. And a few years after that, a second child. And this is how our Christmases went. Grandparents' stack of presents. Our stack of presents. That's how it started. And then over time, grandparents' stack of presents shrunk. Ours didn't get bigger, but they cost a whole lot more. And, and so as we prepare for Christmas, all things are running through our minds. And so yesterday we went out running errands together as a family. It was, was amazing. We went to Costco, never been to Costco before. It's a new experience. And, and it was amazing. Christy, Christy and Ashley said, I, I think we're out of razors. And I have this flashback as I'm holding this 16 pack of razors. That's the good life, isn't it? <laughs> Four people shaving. It's really expensive. But I remember when my children were smaller and just thinking, Lord, I will know that we have been provided for like we have made it when I can buy a brand name razor when I need it. That's, that's it. Do you remember those days? Like, baby, get the disposable kind. Oh, disposable. That was our life. And so that flashback, no kidding, comes through my mind. And here's what I think. What if this was it? What if this is what I was living for? To make it. <laughs> Buy razors when you want to. For four people. Church, no matter what your plan is or what my plan is, Whenever we reach our man-made, our woman-designed plan, the day you hold it in your hands, if that's the only plan you were living for, I promise your feeling will be the same as mine with those razors in my hands. Surely this is not all I'm supposed to be a part of. Church, 
what you and I were invited into was a plan to proclaim the excellencies of God and what he's done for us and who he is in his character and in his purpose. Church, as we enter into next year, that's the goal, is we want to keep those plans in front of each other. We want to make sure that day after day, quarter after quarter, you don't wake up and go to bed saying, one day I'm going to be able to buy razors when I want to. We don't want you to go to bed and wake up and say, one day I'll be able to buy the car. One day I'll be able to have the house. One day I won't have to worry about the bank account. One day, that's not what you're made for. You're a part of a bigger plan that is trying to hit financial markers in your life that provide some semblance of serenity here and there. That's not God's design for you. He made you to be an ambassador for him, to be a witness for him, to do one thing through your life, to proclaim the excellencies of him who has brought you out of darkness into light. And church, in that reality, we're gonna walk through how to discover, God, what have you made me for? How how do I fit into your plan? We're gonna talk about how to equip and empower people. In our office, we're praying now, Lord, how do we, how do we proclaim your plan to everybody within a two-mile radius of First Baptist Church? Let's just start there. How do we make sure that every single person knows it? So as we celebrate times of work as worship, as we look into those things, you and I cannot share with convincing excitement the reality that God has a plan for someone else if we do not remember he has a plan that is unique for us through Jesus Christ. You are made for a bigger relationship. You are made to be a part of a bigger family. You are made for a bigger plan. And church, you were made for a bigger promise. Look back to 1 Peter chapter 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's a reason that Peter uses creation language here. As you turn all the way to the first page of your Bible, what does God do? He creates light. Out of this darkness, out of the void, out of the expanse, God creates life. Because without his spark, without his plan, without his promise, all there is is darkness. But in creation, we see that God, in his idea, was to call the light and to create it as a counter to darkness. Church, when you and I tasted salvation in Jesus Christ... How did God do it? He called you out of darkness into light. That's why we go from death to life. Church, do you realize that you were made for a bigger promise? You know, today as we take the Lord's Supper, as we lean into God's word, I want you to know I have books and books and books on the end time. I think we get captivated with not with God promises, but with this piece of the promise. Do you know when Peter says God has called you out of darkness into this marvelous light, 
that the marvelous light that we're entering into is just a taste of the light that awaits us. But do you know the average believer's knowledge about heaven is infinitely smaller than the death and the destruction of the tribulations in the end time? Yet the pages of scripture are filled with it. If you look at Christ, look at the words, the times he says, the kingdom. Do you realize that you were made for a bigger promise than even the good life in Christ here reflects? In the season of life, when it's about sustaining where we are, I don't want you to forget that you were made for a bigger promise. The promise of eternal life with Christ Jesus our Lord, perfected and glorified on the new earth with our Creator God. So next year, we're going to take intentional time together to look at God's words of eternity, the promises of heaven. We're going to take time to celebrate God bringing people from darkness to light. We're going to rejoice. But if you all the way go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the first word is a unique way to start this promise list out. But, but. You see, you were made for more. Every single person who's ever, ever lived, ever drawn a breath. But every single person who ever draws a breath will not taste a bigger relationship and a bigger family, won't realize their part in God's bigger plan. And they'll never know the biggest promise. See, because those who try to save their life will lose it. But only those who lose their life for Christ's sake, turn it over, abandon it for Christ, to give the keys to the house, the car, over into the hands of your Lord, to give the decision-making into his hands, to submit to him. Only those who let go of their life will taste the bigger the promise, the joy, the family relationships. And church, before we take the Lord's Supper, that's the invitation. Before we, before we remember again and again that you and I were made for more, the Lord's inviting you to make sure that you have a part in his promise. He has made the invitation. Lose who you are. Deny yourself follow me. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Lord, this morning we come to you believing, Lord, that we were made for more, that we're a part of something bigger. So as we go into next year, Lord, start preparing our hearts now. Lord, our best dreams fall short of your glory. Our hopes, our fears, Lord, they don't compare, they don't stack up. And we praise you for that. Lord, you did not abandon us as some absent creator, 
But instead, Father God, on that first Christmas, you showed us your plan laid out in the flesh. Everything you'd been talking about, everything you'd been leading towards, in that moment, in that manger, a child born, a son given, the Savior and the Waymaker, Jesus Christ, calling us from darkness to light. So Father, this morning, as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, as we look towards the holidays and next year, Lord, would you just make the truth so heavy on our hearts that we can't get away from it? Lord, you have an epic story for us, and we are made for more. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray.